Oh no! Welcome! Welcome to another star to steer her by. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, I'm just going to be this level of antagonized with it, all With an so intro long. like that, I'm sure our <laughs> listeners can't fucking wait to get started now. No, they want they want to know what we're talking about this week, because this week we're on episode 204. Woo! Ugh. And we're covering some more Deep Space Nine episodes. Episodes that make me wonder what the fuck Jake was thinking many, many uh, episodes ago when he said, Ferengi episodes are my favorite episodes. Did and I now say I'm, that? And now I'm judging you hard. Did I say Ferengi episodes are my favorite? I think you said some of your that favorites. That sounds like something you would say. No, there, like... is, there is one <laughs> Ferengi episode that I that is probably in my top five. Which uh, one? The Magnificent Ferengi. Have oh, we seen that yet? We haven't, we haven't seen, that seen that one it yet. yet. Okay, are you okay. sure that wasn't me? That sounds no, like something I'd say. I'm pretty sure it was Jake, but anyway. Klingon so. episodes are among my favorites. He said well, that a lot. Well, this this is going to be a week for for what may have been Jake then, because we're talking about Ferengi love songs and Soldiers of the Empire. As always, this is Ames. As you've come to expect, this is Caitlin. As is occasionally the case, this is Chris. And out of order, this is Jake. Yep, I (laughs) fucked it up. As soon as I talked, I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I know. It made more sense when we sat around a table versus sitting in a Zoom screen. Yeah, now it's just kind of a free for all. (laughs) A <laughs> little bit. Whoever jumps in first. All right. This is Chris. Good. Chris is eh. here. Fabulous. Good God. I'm sorry we have to talk about Ferengi love songs. We'll make Not it me. quick. We're here <laughs> doing Ferengi love songs. The Voles are back and they've closed down Quark's bar, leading to economic and psychological distress for Quark, which Ferengi are the same thing. Rom bursts in and reveals that if you like it, then you should have put a Bajoran earring on it because he and Lita are engaged. I told Barf. you, I got I got jokes for this week because it's the only way I can get through. Good uh, joke. Nice thank house. You. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Quark goes to visit Moogie to try to get his spirits up, and Star Trek is replaced by a whole fucking gimmicky sitcom episode for a day. Let's see, we've got Wallace Shawn hiding in Quark's closet because he's now romantically seeing Ishka. We've got Jeffrey Combs hiding in Quark's closet because he wants to break up Zek and Ishka. Let's see. We've got Quark goes on two dates with two females on the same night, but they can't meet each other because it's a <laughs> fucking sitcom. This whole show, it's a, it's a cartoon show all of a sudden, and the, the writers and the actors have all basically said, like, we admit this is a fucking cartoon show. End stop. I'm done. But really, somehow neither... But seriously, folks. But seriously, there actually is more. Fuck my life. Uh... <laughs> Oh, Ames doesn't like fun. It's not even that it's fun. It's that it's stupid. I know. I loved it. <laughs> I'm God damn it. Uh, Someone had I might to, right? Leave. Uh, so somehow, oh, no, don't leave. Neither Zek nor Ishka is up to anything nefarious in their relationship, which you know rubbed me the wrong way. So Quark plants the seed in Zek's gigantic fucking ears that Moogie is secretly a radical feminist. Which is actually true, but it's not the point of this episode. And it's so also, kinda, not a, also not a secret. <laughs> yeah, so we kind of just forget that that's a thing that, you know, she actually is this thing that Quark is quote-unquote lying about. 
but, you know, whatever. Uh, but second Ishka breakup, sad face. Meanwhile, the other profitable couple back on Deep Space Nine is going through some things because Rom, damn it, Rom, wants Lita to sign the waiver of property and profit that basically, you know, would stop whatever happened with his first wife from happening, which was her, she, she seizes all of his assets in the event of a breakup. And Lita says, like fucking hell I will, this mi- marriage is more off than Miles and Keiko's. Quark, however, has his business license back from Brunt, who's been around, uh, but he also gets an offer from Zek to be his first clerk. Excitement! And as he's doing all this clerking work, Quark quickly learns that Zek has, like, Ferengi Alzheimer's or something, and his business acumen was only any good because Ishko was taking care of everything. So everything is in disarray. Brunt is trying to capitalize on all of this and become Nagus himself, which would be better, worse, who knows? But something happens off screen and Zek saves the day or something. So, you know, he hooks hooks back up with Moogie. They give each other umoks. It's all fine. Back on Deep Space Nine, Rom is also back in the Umox zone because he's given away all his belongings so that the WPNP is now moot. He can marry Lita again, which just goes to prove that it's better to find loopholes in Ferengi policy than to accept your girlfriend's agency. Yay. The end. Can we Fuck call it. them Umrogenous zones? Ooh. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Also, second follow-up question. Can the women experience Umox too or just dudes? Like I I Would the dudes actually do it? Well, it's not well, I mean, I will say this. The lobes are much easier to find than the clitoris, so there's a chance Aye. you could at least trick them into it. Well, I just but, feel like the the like male Ferengis wouldn't bother giving their females pleasure because they're misogynist assholes. Fair, but I'm thinking of like nipples. Like I feel like, you know, women tend to like that sort of thing. Men it's a little bit more, like, for, you know, Ticklish. basis, you know, whatever. What am I trying to say? I don't know, like a bi-person basis, anyway, about nipples. So, like, are, are lobes just for dudes? Are they also for women? What do you think, readers? Gross. I think it's all disgusting. It all is. I, all I but know at least is... it was all consensual this week. True. All I know is, uh, I think it's appropriate you referred to it as a sitcom, because I did feel like... They were almost kind of running with that and that the oh, lighting, the lighting looked a little were. flatter, like in a sitcom. There was a laugh track suddenly. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> All these guest stars just pop up and the audience goes, woo! They, they actually kissed and it was that, ow, ow! <laughs> here's, my, here's another question. Umox, tied to lobes. He was calling her his lobekins. Is mm. that like calling somebody your, I don't even, like what would the equivalent to that be? Clit queen. Well, no, because I mean, who's Lobes, my sweet little clitty? Like, L- lobes has a wider use in their society. I mean, you know, having oh, the true. lobes they means having acumen and this and that. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't. Despite the prevalence of umox on this show, I, I don't actually think the the ears are a universal like sexual thing. It seems to, it seems it's not a one to one mapping to you know a dick. No, it's definitely a secondary sexual situation, but yeah, and I, I just have that... I just have questions. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. more like kissing questions. someone's neck. Yeah, which you yeah. don't do in public, but you can do in your private spare time. Or you know, if you're a vampire, you do it uh, after you've been invited in. Hmm. 
But also you shouldn't do it because that's just not consensual when you're a vampire. All right, but let's get off weird sex talk. First off, I want to ask... Get off, is it? Ugh, awful. Uh, what does everyone think of our new Ishka? She's all right. She's fine. I miss Sounds the old, like the first I, one Yeah, I, I like the old Ishka better, I, I think. I miss the old Moogie. She, it felt she like had a, this one was just doing an impression of the first one the whole time. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I also read up that basically, like, this was her first time doing a show in which, you know, you need this much prosthetic makeup, mm. which is really fucking hard. So, you know, you've got Shiverman and you've got uh, a version one, everyone else on set who's like, does this all the time and they're fucking pros at it. Yeah. And then you get, I've lost her name already. It's gone now. Cecily Adams, I think, who comes in and says like, I don't know how to move my face. How do I move my face? And I mm. guess she just never did because her face like never moved all episode long. Mm. No. Yeah. I bet for most people, though, this show is their first time using such heavy prosthetics because it's a damn lot. Yeah. yeah. And I also would say that, you know, to, to, to her in her defense, sure. maybe she has among the strong, the heaviest prosthetics. I would yeah. Say, her and Brunt, that, like, like you can't even see their faces. Yeah. And like, you know, add on that, like hers, had, she had a lot of wrinkles on hers. You know, it's also the first time probably for her acting with the mouthpiece yeah mm-hmm. you know so it's like you know like all of the ferengi and most of the klingons it's just like talking with marbles in their mouth yeah plus mm-hmm. you're also oh, yeah. trying to do an impression of a different actor doing your character at the same time yeah so that it's at least remotely consistent so yeah. i don't know i think she had a she had a, a, a an uphill battle i don't know that she won the battle mm. but um yeah, I, yeah i'll give her points for trying yeah, I just know that our our first Moogie, whose name also escapes me, god damn it, um, basically said, like, it was way too much prosthetics. I can't. I can't do that again. Oh, that's too bad. Not everybody can do it. Yeah. It's just a shame. I really, I really liked our original Moogie. Uh, and, you know, so, uh, speaking of, like, so one of the goofy things, I don't know if we'll end up talking a lot about it, so I wanted to bring it up early. Oh, good. Um, so one, one of the goofy things that I actually did kind of like about this was that Quark had action figures. They were they great. they were Ferengis Marau- with the electric Marauder whips. Marauder Moe. They were so cute. Did you see <laughs> yeah. the little like, electric whip? whip. Yeah. I pointed that out to Caitlin. First too. thing like, Chris said was like, oh, look, it's got the whip. I like was- that. Okay, that was good. What was even better was the like little nerd collector joke at the end. Do you know how much these are worth? They would have been worth more if you kept them in their original packaging like I told you. Yep. Because yeah. that was especially because like the mid '90s, especially, was when that was really taking off. How many like, Beanie Babies did Quark have? Oh, I don't know, but I can tell you, I had hundreds. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 subtle irony is, I have a number of Star Trek action figures in their original packaging. So, mm. you know. wow. Well, because I think you were a kid when that when people were starting to get that advice. Well, don't worry because. All the ones I have in their original packaging, I think, I have the duplicates out of their original packaging. Oh, good. Perfect. Yeah, because you want to play with them. Like, the yeah. whole point is to play. Well, that's also, like, I like that little bit at the end because, you know, they have that, you know, conversation and, you know, Quark's, Quark's you know, making, like, you know, this is just an investment to me. But then as soon as she's out of earshot, he's, pew, 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 yeah, ah, ah, he, you know, he's, he's playing with them. Yeah. It, it kind of sums up. Quark in that he's, you know, outwardly very Ferengi and very business oriented and, and profit obsessed. But 
you know, if you, you know, just skim a little bit of the top layer off, you know, he's, he's just, you know, kind of a sweet person. Yeah. He's also been saying like, I've becoming, I've been becoming too humanized. I've been around these humans for so long that I've developed a, oh, a conscience. Except really, even that's not true because we find out that he didn't gouge the Bajorans as much as he could have during the occupation. Yeah. So that, there was already the germ there, whether hmm. he, he realizes it or not. And whether he would like to admit it or not. That whole fan, like I've said before, like really when it comes down to it, I know they've, they've not said it, but I think it just make a lot more sense. I think just Brunt hates this whole family <laughs> because all of them are wrong as far as he's concerned. Yeah. And that's why I was like so taken out of this episode that Zek would want to be with Moogie for like actual pure romantic reasons when she is the antithesis of a Ferengi female. Like, she wears clothes and he's perfectly okay with it. And I'm like, this this is not how, like, your Ferengi leader should be. I found well, it really weird that there wasn't, like, something underneath. He kind of fell in love with her before he realized who she was, I think. Yeah. When yeah. he thought she was a man? Yeah. Well, that's all right. I mean, same thing happened to Quark. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. that's true. I do miss Pal. Pal was great. Um, yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. But I also think that the the Grand Nagus is maybe, or maybe he has had some residual impact from his encounter with the prophets. Maybe. Um, mm. You know, I mean, he's also demented, right? Like, so like they, they, that I don't know if it was handled in the most sensitive uh, sensitive way in this episode that you know like clearly this man has dementia yeah mm. and it's just it's kind of played for laughs yeah but i guess you know taking a page out of sitcom sitcom that's a that's a sitcom starring cisco oh um <laughs> taking a taking a page out of the 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 sitcom handbook well, God. Dementia is hilarious. Oh, well, my. I mean, you know, it's funny because uh, this is something they never mention again. But in the like very first episode of Golden Girls, the explanation for why Sophia is just so blunt isn't just because she's old and doesn't give a fuck anymore. She had a stroke recently. Oh, yeah. Which that, one is that's, Sophia? Huh? Which one is Sophia? the mother? Yeah, Dorothy's okay. mother, the, the oldest getting. one that was actually got played got by the youngest one and. All that. But, you know, she just says whatever she wants. And they never bring it up again, so the show really just plays it up eventually as, like, yeah, she doesn't care. She's, like, 90, whatever. But, yeah, originally it was like, ha, she had a stroke, and now she says whatever. And you're just like, oh, God. I oh. totally forgot that. Yeah, no, well, I didn't. It was horrifying. Well, yeah. But, yeah, sitcoms do like to be like, ha, ha, medical conditions. Yeah. Yeah, and this was just a sitcom, so it just mm -hmm. would everything's going to be hilarious. And anytime there's like something that should actually be kind of uncomfortable, we're just going to play it off for laughs. Yeah. Like I actually got a little bit uncomfortable when, so it's Jadzia and somebody talking to Rom about how he's, Oh, you're the most unferengi Ferengi we know. And I'm like, Oh, uh, this? it's her and the chief. Okay. And I was, I was like, is this being kind of racist to Rom? Is this oh, just being time. mean to Rom? I feel like this was the equivalent of, like, people who 
microaggress against black people by being like, you're so well-spoken. <laughs> so yeah. articulate. Well, that's the thing. is like uh, they, they, they meant it shit. as a compliment, but because they weren't actually thinking it through, they just sent him into this fucking existential spiral. Well, yeah, exactly. Because he be wasn't going to ask... He wasn't going to ask her to sign that stupid bullshit until they said all that stuff. I guarantee exactly. it. He suddenly had something he had to prove. Ugh. And what he had to prove was, I mean, ugh. Brangy, to be fair, do kind of suck. Yeah, true, true. And I yeah, really like the, the society is garbage. I mean, yeah. the people might be OK, but they live in just a really horrible society. Yeah, they and it's why I liked uh, I liked a bunch of things that Lita said this episode when, you know, Rama's saying, you know, you, you have to do this because I'm a Ferengi. And she says, yeah, but I'm a Bajoran. Like, you accepted this when we started dating, that I'm not Ferengi. I don't have to do this fucking bullshit. She probably makes more money than he does, too, so he probably better watch it, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. You know, because that human in that trill had to be so fucking racist. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I... I was actually really put off by the giant Bajoran earring he was wearing. Yep. <laughs> like, why? Like, I understand that, like, okay, yeah, he's trying to, like, fit in with her culture, so he's going to wear the earring, but did it have to be so comically huge? Well, it had to be to fit his ears, right? I figure they could have just, you know, had a smaller, you know, it would have been maybe, maybe it looked more dumb just having a small earring. Yeah, I also, know. I feel like the Bajoran earrings, and this this is kind of crosses the cultural appropriation line, but those earrings represent their faith and their culture and, like, all these other things. Him just wearing one to be like, I'm like my, my fiancé. Like, he doesn't believe any of the things she well, believes. Well, maybe it's like when you join somebody's family, you can yeah, take, they do also... take the symbol of their house. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, Ames. I think it's a little weird. It would be like, well, I don't know, right? Because I was going to say it would be like wearing a yarmulke if you didn't believe in, like, Judaism. But usually, regardless, like, wouldn't you wear a yarmulke at, like, a typical Jewish wedding, regardless of your faith? Yeah, if you're you're getting married at a Jewish ceremony to a Jewish person, you're generally expected, I think, to wear... Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Even if you're a Gentile, it's it's polite too. So maybe it's similar. But was there's there's between wearing it at a service and wearing it all the time, right? I mean, they sort of implied she had maybe suggested it to try to make it seem okay. I don't know. I think oh, they I just know. wanted to put Brahm in a giant earring oh, for yeah. a visual. Oh yeah, because it's again sitcom. Yep, like mm-hmm. you said, Ames. Well, it could also just be like, you know. You know, he wants to be supportive of her culture and, and, you know, being a fairly naive person that he is, he's like, oh, Bajorans like these funky earrings. I'll wear one. Yeah, it's like he wants to be supportive of their culture without actually understanding their culture or making any effort to do so. Fuck you, Rom. I mean, technically, he works he for the in- Bajorans, so. Say it. He works for the Bajorans, right? He's he's because he's he's one of the. He's part of the yeah. Bajoran maintenance crew. Well, and he was actually studying up on the prophecies and oh, stuff. So, I mean, true. he has been reading whatever the equivalent of the Bajoran te- holy texts are. That's true. So, I mean, he is putting in some real effort until, again, Starfleet fucks with his head. The one the one race it's okay to be racist against in the Federation. Oh, but no, also, I mean, they're oh, wait. racist against everybody. Yeah, but wait, say. we have another great racist line at the I wrote this one down because I was like, oh, dear God, what? Is when, so Zek has mental 
deficiencies occurring. And I think Quark says, you know, we could ask, uh, the Vulcans have great medicine. And the line that Zek says made me vomit in my mouth. He says, Vulcans, ugh, never liked them. They have no appreciation of profit, but they do make good doctors. And I said, oh, that's what, oh, God damn it, Zek. I hate you. Yeah, you're right. That is a little. I hadn't even thought about yeah, it. Yeah, I hadn't you're considered right. that, but yeah. Oof. So that's going to be the hand wave explanation for why he will never have dementia again. He went and saw the Vulcans. Possibly. Right. Yeah, I just you thought the whole thing was a, gross. Oh god! Now I'm trying to picture like if a Vulcan and a Ferengi had a kid. Big pointy ears. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Where would the eyebrows be? Because oh god, Ferengi don't have eyebrows. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> they're on, they're on the lobes. They just the come whole out. lobe has an eyebrow. No, no, they just come out, and the whole head is just like an M.C. Escher drawing. <laughs> oh, no. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh. Uh, the thing I did think was funny, other than the um, uh, Marauder Joe action figures, mm. um, we get a side story of how Martok has been like. He, like, threw someone off the promenade. Oh, and they're like, yes. oh, yeah, but they're okay. Oh, they almost hit this person. Yeah, but he didn't. That's funny. That's yes. a good joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but did you die? That guy. It's I like, like uh, that. It's like Martok says in the next episode. It's like, ugh, the human obsession with what could have happened. <laughs> yeah. As always, though, you know, if nothing else... Was uh, great brunt acting? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly, yes, yep, Jeffrey yep, that Combs. Was, that was my next grunting, note, like, yeah. Grunting his way through everything. I loved I, him on the throne. It was great. Oh, yeah. He would be a terrible Nagus. Oh, yeah. Plus, like, it would really not work with the way he usually introduces himself. Yeah. <laughs> brunt, he might, like, Nagus. For a Ferengi, he might actually be a good Nagus. Is there such a someone... thing as a good Nagus? Well, that's the thing. I think a good Nagus... Someone who's doing the job of Nagus good would be someone who was objectively bad. But like see, the only way they, a bad person could be a good Nagus. They point out the problem with him as Nagus is that the Nagus's greed has to be everyone's greed. Mm. You know, there's this weird like, I suppose the the so the, the uh, one sort of how do I put it? The kind of sacrifice, quote unquote, to be a good Nagus is to sometimes on rare occasion consider other people definitely and, not brunt's forte and the, yeah and that's not something brunt could do mm. p.s this just popped into my head like a good niggas brent fca is there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah when he propped himself on the throne and was like picturing his future that was great it's funny though i can see I can see Wayun in him now because I feel like I know Wayun better. Like mm. I know Wayun as well as I know Brunt, and now mm. I see them in in the acting. I think he also. I know this is gonna sound weird, but he has some fairly. He moves his bottom lip in a very distinctive way sometimes that you can oh. see across all of his characters. Well, it's hard to, to explain. Like uh, especially when his character is annoyed, which so you see it a lot with Brunt and Shran. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot that he's also Shran. I look forward to that. Mm -hmm. I I am somewhat pleased. I mean, for all that the dementia thing was handled very poorly, the and idea was. of Moogie secretly basically running the government, because it kind of jives with how I had wanted her first appearance to go, kind of, where I said, like, I wanted them to realize they couldn't sort of do what they wanted, because if they did, the Ferenginar economy would have collapsed. Oh, right. I remember that. Yeah. 
Like that would like I wanted that to be the thing. It's like no, no, you don't understand. Her investments are. If we take this away, everything. Go- so this was kind of that almost in a different manner, in that she was again keeping everything functioning. Hmm. I think one piece of this episode that irked me is sort of the. It made, How do you it get made, in the closet? Yes. Teleporter. Oh, there was that. Yeah, they, it sound, <laughs> they made a sound at one point that there was a transporter, I think. Oh, did they? Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Well, that's how Brunt got in the closet. I mean, obviously... Uh... Yeah, the other ones are just hiding in there. Okay. Yeah. Work so, sorry, sorry to cut you off, Jake. No, I was going to say that it makes the the universe smaller that Moogie and Zek got together and it wasn't like a setup. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, or, yeah. you know, as a result of Quark knowing the Nagus, the Nagus was like, right. The two know, people I, who I know I want to find out more about this, this, this female. And he, you know, the fact so that she, they just happened to meet by chance. So she much. was, she was said that they met because she was doing the female division for Tongo. Yep. Which I'm surprised exists. Yeah, that was a shock. Like, I expected her to be there like. Because she had, she was like serving community service or something, and had to be there serving drinks. Yeah. Naked. Well, she probably did have to be naked. Yeah, that's true. I can't imagine if if you're in the female Tongo league, you, you like that's bad enough, but you you also can't wear clothes. Well, actually, I mean, I I almost think that being in the league would be smiled upon, but only if you're wearing the uniform, which is nudity. Right, mm. and I'm sure like they're not playing for profit because females can't make profit. They they right. must just be playing for fun, <laughs> or for cookies. Cookies, something. I take that. Maybe it's or like playing, playing for your husband. I was about to say, I feel like maybe it's oh, a thing yeah. that started because like husbands were going and didn't trust leaving their wives alone at home, so they started shoving them in the basement and making <laughs> them play. Or like here, here's a, here's a hot take. Make maybe they're maybe. The foundations of Ferengi society are not as solid as we're led to believe. And they just that, keep it secret. Yeah, like maybe there's a lot of men that are bad at earning profit. It sounded like Quark's dad wasn't very good at it. Not at all. So we maybe know Rom in, isn't. <laughs> maybe in if you know if you're a Ferengi man and you can't you know get it up, and by get it up I mean your bank account balance. Um, <laughs> nice. Maybe. Um, Maybe, you know, you have your 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 wife go out and do the profit making activities, but it's all kind of kept under the radar, you know. Oh, you're in the basement playing the female Tongo game. Wink, wink. And yeah, actually, you know what what would really work with that as an idea is because she starts sending notes up to the Nagus about how to improve his game. Mm hmm. So that apparently sending notes up to the male tournament is perfectly normal. Yeah. So maybe a lot of the women are there to play the game for their husbands who are bad at it. And and that also kind of makes the, you know, Brunt's whole thing make a lot more sense. Because if it's, you know, if it's just like keeping this one woman down, it's a little weird that he's just so fucking obsessed with it. Mm. But if it's like trying to cover up this like societal flaw that, you know, would cause the entire Ferengi alliance to just collapse if if the truth ever came out. This thing we all sort of know but don't talk about, like, she would force you to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, mo- most females are, are content to just, you know, wear the no clothes and, 
you know, earn profit in secret, but here we go. Here's here's Ishkar, whatever her last name is, out there, you know, flaunting it around, wearing clothes, making big bucks, telling yeah. telling men publicly how to earn more profit. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, it's I, disgusting, I like is what yeah. it is. It's it is. Just... I wish, I wish it were something that they kind of explored more instead of high, like doing a lot of just silly goddamn bullshit. Because there is mm. a lot that could be interesting in Ferengi society, but they have to couch it in their fucking cartoon characters because we're mm. stuck with it because this is how yeah. we made them. And I also just think that that the fact <clears throat> that we're led to believe that it's really only like okay, there's two female women. I think that we've even seen. Female Ferengi. Ferengi women? Yes, yeah. What did I say? Female women. Female women. <laughs> we've only seen two female women. Uh, no, we've only seen two Ferengi women, and both of them defy the Ferengi model of what a woman should be. Well, this is because Star Trek couldn't show any other Ferengi women because they'd have to be naked, and they can't do that on television. They showed the 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 wedding, uh, you know. The, yeah, the... they showed some back... And some yeah. shoulder. Yeah, it would have been a lot They'd of shots find a way. the shoulder. They'd find up. a way. Anyway. Life does find a way. After but all. it does <laughs> kind of leave us with the impression that it's all the other women are just sort of accepting of the society and okay to be subjugated. And it's just, you know, these two rogues. Or they're just, you know, we're seeing it sort of through the lens of people who interact with Quark. Mm-hmm. Um, True. Or it could just be that, you know, the, 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 there are just, they're less willing to go out on a limb. Everyone else is much better at hiding it. <laughs> well, plus, I can't imagine being like a hyper-feminist Ferengi and wanting to be anywhere near Quark and his bullshit. Oh, man. What if, like, Ishkar and Pell knew each other? They it's, were in the same... Ishka. What did I say, Ishkar? Yeah, because Jake Ishka. Ishkar. I was going to say, you're repeating Ishkar. Jake. So what if Moogie... Is Ishtar a thing? Is that in like another person's Isn't name? Isn't Ishtar a place Ish- in Ishtar something? Ishtar is an infamously bad movie. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I just conflated it in my head. <laughs> but yeah, so Moogie and Pell were all part of the same underground feminist book club. And she's the one that pointed Pell towards Quark to try and... Uh, oh, I like that theory. That's a good try and Try and break down her son's rigid exterior yeah and, and get her also, some grandchildren yeah and also maybe you guys like each other <clears throat> i got a son who's about your age i love it i like the idea of, of boogie just basically running the feminist underground on ferenginar like spock ran the uh unification movement on romulus everyone's Only meeting she's up more successful much you know people meeting in cafes not finishing soup <laughs> nope never <laughs> Or not finishing everywhere. their grubs or slugs or Two whatever. Two worms or gum-jellied bullshit. Ferengi cuisine appears to leave a lot to be desired, is all I'm saying. I mean, not if you're descended from frog people, then it's yeah, perfect. Yeah, but guess what? Yeah. I'm not Well, it's not I'm talking you, about for it? me, not about for them. Well, it's ain't for you. Not everything has to be for you. Yes, it does. Honky. Aww. Wow. <laughs> I, bet you the, I bet you the Ferengi tourism industry is garbage. I wouldn't even think they'd want tourists. Yeah, no. I mean, well, I, I think I mean, they love the idea of more from, money, like, but you know, souvenir shops and stuff. Hmm. I Go bet they don't have my name on any fucking tourist bullshit either. Oh no, but I'm betting there is like somewhere on Ferenginar there is like a Ferengi theme park, though. Oh god! And like you know, everything's it's, too it's, short. 
it's spe- no, but it's specifically for aliens to come and like experience the Ferengi, and it's really just a casino. Is it rapture themed? Um, and is Armin Shimmerman the voice of uh, <clears throat> Andrew Ryan? There you go. But no, and like you know, you go up to like the 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 concession, and it's it's you know, it's not like real tube grubs, but it's like you know, chocolate coated crickets or something, uh. you know? like something that might be acceptable for a human to eat. I guess the issue Churros? sort of becomes like, <laughs> yes. hey, come to Ferenginar where it rains literally every day. And the we've fish got people would like it. The True. vampires from the Twilight would be into there it. There we go. The Zora from, from Legend of Zelda can join. The, there we go. And the handsome fishmen that Worf was so fond of. Oh, those guys. They are a very handsome race. Yeah. Anyway, so over, overall, I found this episode, like, it's a, it's a decent look at things Quark does. Yeah. Because, like, the, the, the nice thing about Ferengi episodes is you usually get Quark on display, and Armin Shimmerman is amazing all the time. Yeah, always. Uh, but overall, for everyone else, it just felt dumb. Mm. Silly, dumb bullshit. And it just, like, honestly cemented my dislike of Rom. <laughs> I was like, fuck you, Rom. I mean, I know that... People were being racist pricks, but I don't know. Just stop yeah, even it Miles was being a jick. As usual, what else Miles is new? Was being He's like racist. the biggest fucking racist on the ship. That's he says true. something station, to the station. effect when uh, when they're talking about, oh yeah, profit is better than lust, and then Miles says, lust can be a lot more fun. I'm like, gross, Miles, gross. Listen, he's got two kids. We know he's no monk. Apologies if there's any bleed. Our uh, neighbors appear to be playing some fairly bass heavy music. Oh, geez. Well, at least they're not singing. I don't know. Rom, to me, though, I don't know. I, I was just surprised how quickly Lita took him back. Like, that That actually, I'm like, hmm. You realize he was being a massive piece of shit, right? Everything like- about their relationship is stymieing. It's, no, yeah. it, it's like, I don't understand why she would want to be with him to begin with, so why would I not believe that he she would take him back real quick? Well, Might I remind? That was that cute half a scene between her and Kira. Where Kira's mm-hmm. like, yeah, because you're talking about it so much, you obviously care about him. So yeah. you, it's not surprising that she takes him back, I don't think. Well, plus, may I remind everyone of Gene Roddenberry's original vision of the Ferengi. They are huge. Yep, true. I'm sorry, what? Oh, yeah. What are you talking schlong about? Schlong for Ex- days. Yep. He talks about that? He did. About Ferengi schlong? Mm-hmm. In his mind, they were just... Massive. Why was he thinking the, the so much about Ferengi Because it's Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, seriously. But, but yeah, I know. But mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder if it was in Gene's vision for the Klingons to have two dicks. Uh, I don't know, but I know that whether there were one or two, he probably thought they were huge as well. Mm. Anyway, speaking of the Klingons having two dicks, let's move on. <laughs> Brilliant! I found the segue! Hooray! Alright, let's talk Let's talk Soldiers of the Empire, an episode that I thought had more potential than it really cashed in on. Because mm. it's, it's a whole episode about how to improve morale in the workplace. Mm. I mean, when you come down to it, that's, that's it. So... So we've got Martok, and he asks Worf to join the crew of the Rotoran. The Rotaran. Rotaran. I have it written down. I don't. I forgot how it was said. The Rotaran, um, which Martok is going to be leading on a search and rescue mission of the missing Klingon ship, the Bamoth. And I ask almost immediately, why are we rescuing people who find it dishonorable not to have died in battle? Who the fuck knows? But that's okay. We're going to do it anyway. We meet our new jerk store friends, the crew of the Rotaran, Leskett, 
Kornon, Ortacon, and Tavana. But also, Jadzia has joined the crew. Because even though Deep Space Nine is in the middle of war with the Dominion and shorthanded, evidently? Question marks? She feels like coming along. She's bored or something, wants to hang out with her boyf. Just accept it. Jadzia's well, Cisco's here. fine with it, so. I know, well, right? She also says that she ha- she's taking leave to do it. But she, like, use her vacation time. But well, you would think that she wouldn't have any right now. You would think active war means no vacation time. Look, use yeah. it or lose it. Doesn't matter if there's a war happening. But anyway, Jadzia is actually one of the better things in this episode because she Truth. quips and kicks ass, and I can get behind everything she does in this episode. Well, and also because, as usual, she's, like, a way better fucking Klingon than... Anyone. Worf. Any of the other Klingons. Also that, yes. Jadzia with Klingons is pretty much Best always Jadzia. a good mix. Yeah, yeah. And Terry Farrell is at the point where she's like bringing it. So I'm. Yeah. I was a fan of her this episode. Everyone else on the Rotaran, however, is a fucking failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in need of a win so bad. <gasps> but but Martok is scared of the Gem Hadar because you know he's been in prison for two years and doesn't want to like get in a battle right now because what if they lose and he'd feel like crap about it. So the whole ship is, like, teeming with volatile emotions, ready to blow up at any fucking moment. They sing the song, like, 15 times. Uh, We finally, after a bunch of flying around and everyone getting pissed off at Martok, we find the Bamoth. And Martok asks the same question that I asked at the very top of the episode, which was, Wait, why are we rescuing them? (laughs) This could be a trap. And he gets cold feet and says, "Eh, let's let's, Let's not bother, let's go home. The whole ship, however, is, like, fucking ready to mutiny. So Worf challenges Martok to a fist fight. And they fight for a while, and they fight for a while. And then Worf just totally lets Martok stab him a little. Yep. So he can feel good about himself or something. <laughs> and they ride the rest of the adrenaline wave. Uh, they take out some Hadar because it totally was a fucking trap. Idiots. They rescue the Bamoth <laughs> through. Worf is uh, entered into the house of Martok, which was very, very sweet. That's true. That was uh, nice. And then we get back to the station, and tonight we're going to party like it's the year of Kalis 999, which it actually <laughs> is. Kapla. Yes. Uh, that's good. I uh, I was just thinking, you know, I was just checking on something. I was like, you know, they really missed a trick by not calling this episode how Martok got his groove back. <laughs> but uh, this predates that movie, so. Shame. Mm. Um, also, I feel like, oh no, I think it was the last episode. No, yes. The last episode, okay, I wrote this down. I didn't bring it up. Didn't bring it up. In Ferengi lo- uh, Love Songs, the working title was How Quark Acquired His Groove Back. Wait, but there's also... Re- oh, was it a book before it was a movie? I have no idea. Or was getting your groove back just always a saying and we didn't know it? Oh, that's, that sounds likely, actually. That's true, too, yeah. yeah. The other title that they changed like at the very, very last second was Of Love and Profit which just blends in with all the other Ferengi titles, and I can't tell them apart. I was going to say, wasn't there already an episode called that? But it was probably just close. It was like, yeah, it was like a word off. Oh, oh and actually, we got three rules of acquisition? We did, so, so many. you have some for future weeks. Also, having just checked, yes, it was based off a book, which was apparently a huge hit in 1996, right about when these episodes would have been getting written. Uh-huh. So yeah, they all works out. Go. So it probably was intentional with the Quark thing, and they should have used it for this one. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I actually like this show. I was underwhelmed. Even just reading the synopsis, I was like, why is this Star Trek? Well, I think, I think that's the thing. I think, I think the plot of it is, it is more about Martok and Worf than it really is about 
rescuing the the retire the rescuing the the Bamoth. The only thing that's weird about it is that you're right, Jake. It's about them, but it's bizarrely shown more through the eyes of Jedzia and the rest of the crew. That's true. Yeah, we don't see interesting choice much. Well, yeah, because no. again, as we were saying, Jadzia was the best Klingon on that ship. True. Oh yeah. True. I loved her uh, little power play move when she threw someone out of a chair and said, yep. "I sit in that chair now, bitch." Yep. <laughs> if you're nice, I'll share my blood wine. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing this episode made me realize is that Starfleet has missed a trick in not reviving sea shanties. Because <laughs> it's like, man, more ships need to just have people singing as they. Floating to, like, like imagine. A, do yeah, do you know see... where the song came from? No, what Ooh, is it? Tell us. The song came from Star Trek Klingon, which was an interactive CD-ROM game. Really? Oh, I think I had that. Did that? I think that had like full motion video. I think that was like one of those full motion video games. Oh, cool. We should play it, or or at least find someone online playing it. Actually, maybe Mr. Sunday Movie plays it or something. You know, I think I have to look for it because I think I saved it in my like watch later someone took all the fmvs from a couple of mid-90s star trek pc games what's an fmv uh full motion video okay yeah it's it's where like a video game just has like a cutscene. like a cutscene, but it's not but it's filmed with like humans it's like it's just a it's a it's not like a like an animated cutscene. like yeah it's like it's like a movie clip yeah you would have actors and like i remember there was a game called klingon academy i think that even had Christopher Plummer? Yeah, Ooh. it was Christopher Plummer did one. I think Robert O'Reilly might have done one. Well, and it's like a see that that's the one. The one that has Plummer is used in this video I'm thinking of and it actually like it's a prequel to six. Well, it has to be a prequel to six. But he actually starts it off with two eyes and you see him lose the other one. Ooh, neat. But yeah, they stitched all these FMVs together into a, a movie, quote unquote, which was on YouTube. I don't know if it still is. Ooh, I'll look we for it. Find it. it. We it should was find very it long. and 10 forward that sucker. I wonder if it stands up. Probably, Probably not. not. Yeah, <laughs> but things, I still like, want to do it. <laughs> this is when this is from the time when when video games, you know, they had money to do things like full motion video, but they didn't have money to hire good writers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I know also, Star most Trek Klingon had JG um, Hertz. Hurlitzer. Hurt, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce yeah, it either. But. Yeah, and I think Michael Dorn was in it. It was directed by Frakes. Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, that reminds me. These these week's episodes were last week. Breaking uh, Love Songs was Renee Aubergenois, and to, this is Lavar Burton. It is. Oh, good for Lavar. He's all up in there, huh? Yep. 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 I feel like he's uh he's directed a lot of episodes for Deep Space Nine, hasn't he? He has. I think yeah. So. I think he does a decent amount busy. for Voyager too. Hmm. Huh, that's cool. Who knew? Yeah, I mean, I think this episode it's it's one of those like let's look at Klingon culture ones, and it's also like I think one of the first times we've really seen the sad sacks of the Klingon Empire. Yeah. Like it's these guys all just kind of suck. They do. Yeah, and it's like a ship of misfits. They have yeah. no victories in nope. their record. So why do I they ha- give a bit of a shitty ship of assholes to Martok? Like that's my I feel like this is Gowron being just being a prick. Yeah. yeah. Why? Cuz Mar- Martok. Martok because he doesn't like you know, soldiers who get captured. Yeah, that's right. He prefers wow. he prefer, <laughs> prefers war heroes that don't become prisoners of war. I mean, I mean, good. Just even assigning Martok to, you know, desk duty at Deep Space Nine was probably meant as an insult. Although Martok himself seems to see it as a 
Well, yeah, but that's because Martok is a is a house cat now. You know, yeah, because he's, he's afraid. He's, he 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 doesn't want battle. He just he's like, oh, I want to sit behind my desk and he's supposed to retire in two weeks. But I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if, like, back on the home world, people were like, oh, it's the general. He survived two years in captivity and this and that and. People are talking about how cool he is on Kronos, so Galron's like, I have to fuck with him. I don't know. One of the one of the crew members of the Rotaran says like they call him like the one eyed giant or something, and it sounds like it's meant to be an insult. Yeah, yeah. he seems like he's kind of a joke. Yeah. Sounds like he, to me, it sounds like he's hung. The one eyed hey. giant. Damn, gross. I think the dude's uh, hung like a Ferengi. <laughs> well, oh, except God, he's playing, they do. Though, so. They live in a fucking culture where you might be able to say hung like a Ferengi and it's a good thing. That's awful. <laughs> mm. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Quick, someone oh. write into Lower Decks. That feels like a line they'd use. There was a very sad moment where I think someone said something to the point of, oh, Martok left more than one eye behind in that prison camp. And I, th- mm. and I said, oh, no, was it one of his dicks? <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, it was his second asshole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so we actually start the episode with, with Julian treating Martok for having gotten gotten a little cutty on his arm. Um, <laughs> and he says, you know, you wouldn't have these problems if you just let me put in, like, ent- uh, insert an artificial eye. Mm. It would make you a better warrior if you had depth perception why do you not want this? He says, no, I don't want it. It's better to have the have the scar. That does feel very clinging, though. Like, you you know, you overcome your limitation rather than... Because, I mean, again, General Chang wore an eye patch. Yeah, a badass eye patch. True, yeah. which was riveted directly into his skull. But he was clinging. also, like, he was a shit Klingon, though. He, it turned yeah, out, he yes. Was, he was a fucking Romulan in disguise, practically. Ooh. Practically, yes. But I'm just saying, in general, I feel like it makes sense that Klingons would be against repair through artificial means. I don't know. Worf's got an all-new spine. Mm, but it true. also made me joke at the end when Martok asks Worf, how, do you know, how did you know I wouldn't just kill you? And I thought to myself, because it was on your blind side, you couldn't see what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. You stabbed me on that side with the bad eye. I knew I'd be fine. I do like that. Uh, uh, God damn it, we're all we're both gonna, we're all going to do that. Martok was uh, covering for Worf. He's like, oh yeah, no, I was in the hollow suites with the safeties turned off. It's like, no, he was training with Worf, and Worf got him. <laughs> Why hide that? I'm sure dishonor. Worf has been told to not yeah. don't kill don't anymore. maim foreign dignitaries. Yeah, yeah. Stop killing your brother. Stop maiming Gal- Mart. God damn it! I did the same thing. Martok. Cisco's just in his office, like I don't get this Klingon shit. Yeah, but I also can see, uh, you know, going back to the whole why Martok might be. Not, not in good standing among Klingons. Um, that being taken prisoner, yeah, is probably perceived as fairly dishonorable. That's true. He probably should have died rather than get taken yeah. by the. Does escaping logic. come up make up for that? Depends Pro- on how many mm. enemies you kill in the process. Mm. Well, oh, he no. killed a lot, right? Because he had to. They kept making him fight, right? So he didn't That's kill true. them. I don't think, though, did he? Well, Worf killed a few. Yeah, oh, so shit. he might have. He must have gotten at least some. Yeah. Yeah, now Worf killed a lot. <laughs> so many. 
Yeah. yeah. And speaking of, so speaking of Dishonor, you mentioned during the synopsis that you were surprised that they would even bother rescuing. Yeah. I was uh, thrown off this whole episode because I didn't understand what was the point. Well, so I would take it to be that, yes, it is honorable to die in battle, but if your ship is disabled and you're just going to die because the air is going to run out or, yeah. you know, the or whatever, you know, you're going to freeze to death like that doesn't seem very honorable to me. So yeah. like, well, I feel a, like that's like a getting, consequence of the battle. It's still like dying in battle. No, be, but then it's just a waste. Like if you yeah. can like, yeah, it's very it's great to die in battle. But if you can't, you know, then the better than dying in battle is surviving the battle so you, that you can die in a different battle. But why would other Klingons say, yes, we should save these people who failed? Well, they didn't fail. They're yeah. dead in the water in space. They but did. That, they, that just means that their ship, their ship failed, not them. them. Their ship failed. So we'll, the we'll get them. That's the same thing. They are their we'll ship. We'll put them on another ship and then they can die, you know, Today will be a good day to die. Every day is a good day to die. Yeah. I, well, I think also what you could What's say the names? is like, It's in the handbook. They oh, get okay. a mulligan. <laughs> they get a mulligan. Yeah. Again, we're also thinking mostly of Klingon society viewed via Worf. Yeah. Fair. Which is very strict. And I'm sure at the end of the day, the Klingons, yes, you have your honor and your belief structure and this, that, and the other thing, but also don't waste resources. And people are resources, especially because it sounds like the war against the Cardassians did not go well. So it's like, we no, need every... Great. The it... Cardassians got their asses handed to them. That's why they allied with the Dominion. Yes, yeah, so it, it went oh. okay until they they teamed up with the Dominion. All right, true. Now well, it ain't well, going so hard. Now things are going poorly. You're yes. not gonna... You, you're gonna grab every warrior you can. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like leaving, leaving Klingon warriors to die in the cold of space... Is itself dishonorable. Is dishonorable thing to do. So not mm, rescue. Maybe. So it's not so much preserving the honor of the warriors on the on the Bamoth. Even it's though also, they're it's, little bitches now, because we had they're to little bitches. Their they get they get they're going to be reassigned to like you know work in the kitchens or whatever. They're they they've shown they're not good at battle, so they're just going to do like the the desk jobs. Well, so has everyone on the Rotaran. We basically said like you failed say, every fucking challenge. They're such bitches though, never that they're being battle, rescued but, by a ship full of bitches. But they've here's the thing though, the Rotaran has it's never won a battle, but apparently it's also never lost a battle because Wait, what? Well, I mean, I missed this. It, it's a, it's still intact. True. It, like, it gets away. How bad could the battle have battles have been if Listen, they never? Tavana is that good an engineer? I liked Tavana. <laughs> She's great. I liked her. She was good. She was great. We talk about scale and consistency a lot, but there is nothing more inconsistent than the scale of the Klingon bird of prey. <laughs> True. Mm. This one is enormous. Whereas yeah. you know, usually or not usually, but previously we've been led to believe they're so small they can be run by about twelve people. And fit in a park in San Francisco. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's less than 12. Like, how many people were actually on the bounty? There was, like, that's six. True. Yeah. Spot <laughs> was out of his mind. I remember when I was a kid, I had, like, a, the, the micro machines. Mm -hmm. And apparently the ideal crew size for that particular version of the Bird of Prey is 12. Ants. Hmm. Um, you can, obviously, again, run it with less, as they proved. Yeah. But, Maybe uh, they just have they just scaled up the designs. Well, yeah. like clearly there must be just all sorts of different types of birds of prey that are all just the same exact design at different sizes. 
I mean, that's what it has to be because, again, like, this one is fucking huge when you consider, you know, the size of a galaxy class when compared to DS9. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's yeah. a video on YouTube that kind of, like, does the, the zooming out thing and shows all the different oh, yeah. ships yep. and things and stuff in Star Trek as compared to each other, which is really helpful. Although, I'm sure in the show itself, it's not at all consistent. No. I mean, I think even, like, you know, the Roberta Prey and I think the Oberth also is anywhere from tiny to actually kind of big, depending on what day it is. Yeah, but I would I would say my impression of the bird of prey is that it's it's small-ish. Yeah, it's supposed to be a scout. Yeah, it's a scout, you know, it's like, or like it's it's on par with the defiant. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um and even then she's a pretty good sized ship. Just yeah. very long as opposed to very tall. Hmm. Um Speaking of various aesthetics, what did you think of Worf's Klingon outfit? I don't. It didn't look that unusual. I don't to me. know. It there just was like something... the same Klingon outfit he always wears. Although yeah. I will say, it looked like when you brought it up while we were watching. Yeah. It did kind of look like the spirit Halloween version of, <laughs> yeah, of the Klingon it warrior a outfit. Cheaper. His collar in the early scenes wasn't as flush as it should have been, but they eventually fixed it. The one thing I noticed was, I'm not sure, maybe I just missed them previously, but at the edge of the shoulders, he had these weird little, like, mooring <laughs> things. Oh. Like, they look like the mooring things you have on docks. They just kind of stuck up and spread out. Oh, and again, that's, that's Maybe they've hang, always like, been there. Hang ribbons and epaulets off of. Yeah. See, my comment was, it looks like Worf is about to go parachuting. Because the material, <laughs> the material was weird. It looked like the kind of stuff you make windbreakers out yeah, of. Yeah, it looked, yeah. To me, well, to me, it looked kind of like vinyl. It probably, the, the costume probably was vinyl. Yeah, um, but it normally doesn't look quite so. Yeah, it, you, that's why I said Spirit Halloween. Hmm. Like, it, yeah. it, it, like, it usually looks like it's, like, maybe leather and mail. Yeah. But yeah, this, it definitely looked cheaper this time yeah. for some reason. Hmm. Which is strange. I'd be, I'd be interested to compare... Because he wore he wore a similar uniform in um, emissary or the emissary. What? What did he no. wear in the emissary that was hot? Because that was a great outfit. Yeah, actually, he did wear something quite similar. Right down, I think he wore. He basically seemed to be wearing Christopher Lloyd's costume from Three because hmm. he even had the like overcoat. What are you referring hmm. to, though, Jake? Uh, in um, the time he fought in the Civil War. Yeah, I, I blanking on the the two parter. Yeah, uh, where the TNG. warrior. No. Oh, TNG. TNG. The uh, reunion, redemption. Redemption, redemption. Yeah, because when he Jesus when he age, went on, you got a good memory, girl. Occasionally, service there. Uh, he was wearing. Ask me recent titles, Klingon and they're uniform. gone. <laughs> Old yeah. titles. It's almost like they mislaid his better one, and they're like, "Shit, we only have this stunt one left over." Yeah. Shit, we only have this fifteen dollar gift card to Spirit <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Guess it'll have to do. <laughs> Yeah, I remember thinking that, that it did kind of look weirdly lower quality. Like, that's something that's supposed to be on an extra you don't get a good look at, not on yeah. one of your principles. Yeah, mm. and I felt the rest of the crew, their co their costumes looked a little bit more high quality. Well, they yeah. were also in, like, the Darker lighting light. on the Bird of Prey is... Unsaturated. Mm. Yeah. So I feel like we got a better look at Worf's outfit because we see him on DS9 wearing it. Yeah. But yeah, I I would actually believe that maybe that 
that what Chris said is actually the truth and that they couldn't find the uniform that was fitted to Michael Dorn. Or maybe like, maybe they recut that uniform for another actor at some point. You oh, know? that yeah. does oh, happen a lot. You know, like, oh, it turns out that we just re just took Worf's uniform and turned it into Martok's uniform or something. Yeah. Uh, but oh shit, now we need a uniform for Worf. Well, we have some in the extras pile hmm. that would fit Dorn, so stuff him in that. Yeah. Another uh, Klingon that missed his calling there. Not Orthank. What was his name? Oh, God. I, I couldn't tell most of them apart. There was Ortican, Cornan, and Leskit. Was Ortican the sort of, the one that was the Being sort a of really youngish surly asshole. one that was fucking the engineer? Uh, maybe. I know Leskit was the one that got drunk. Yeah, the older okay. one. Oh, that was yep. the old guy. That was really, really bitchy, which I, I actually liked him the best. Because, like, every every order he was questioning it, like, forgive my my tired ears. <laughs> Could you repeat that order? But are you asking me to be a little bitch? <laughs> but yeah, the relatively young one, the one that actually handed the... Um, oh, the ship's log or whatever. Over to Worf. Because at one point he goes off on this semi-poetic rant, and it's like... You know, more Klingons just go to eschew the warrior thing. Just go straight to poetry. Mm. It's in their blood. Yeah, yeah I mean, was he was really... definitely like the emo, the emo kid of the crew. Oh yes. Yeah, there Big was some guy. really great talk about like the differences between Klingons and the Jem Hadar because mm. the Jem Hadar they don't, they fight because they're told to by yeah. the founders and Wayun usually one of the Wayuns. Um, whilst Klingons do it because they want to, because they're seeking glory, because it's part of who they are individually. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It was a nice speech. But I also really loved, there was a description of Cardassian tactics that one of them gave, Mm. like, man, we were fighting Cardassians, and even though we were mowing them down, there's such pains in the ass, because they, they have all these schemes and all these extra layers of bullshit you have to get through, and I'm like, that's my man! That's my man Ducat right there. Schemes within schemes within things, all the games. Well, it also to just them. goes to show that like the the Klingons are kind of a blunt instrument, you know? They're mm. they're just Which is not a surprise. Which is not a surprise. Um I so mean they, remember they, Remember Klingon CSI? It was a bomb or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> You know, so like the fact that they would be stymied by, you know, someone using actual tactics in a battle when it's just like, but we shot them more. How <laughs> could we lose? We Leroy Jenkins to that yes. shit. Yes. Oh, that is an amazing description of the Klingons. Yeah. So I wrote down that the original story of this episode was basically uh, Iris Steven Bear goes up to Ronald D. Moore, who's basically the guy who does most of the Klingon episodes and says, I want you to do a story. For this season, that's like all Klingons. Like, you don't even need other characters, just nothing but Klingons. You can have Jedzia too. Uh, and he wrote up this story that it, in which they somehow end up on this mythic journey and they go to Greythor, which is Klingon hell, and they find an old friend of Martok and they find Moog and they want to bring him back with them. And it sounded way too fucking complicated and fantasy like that they were like, Ronnie, Ronnie, scale it back. And yet, and you, you and it's, for some reason, they dug that script up and did it on Voyager instead. Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of remember that episode. <laughs> they, they visit the Klingon they underworld do. in Voyager. What? Yeah, no, oh, I remember God. that episode. 
No. I am not going to lie, even though it wouldn't have made any fucking sense, I almost wish we'd gotten this version of that episode, <laughs> just because, why the fuck not? It, wow. I don't know. I feel like you can't, I feel like there are ways you can kind of splice in fantasy with st- with sci-fi. Bev fucked a ghost, that kind of stuff. That works in times where it's like, what the fuck? Are you? So hell is a real place now. The paw wraiths live in hell. Moog lives in hell. You can just visit hell on the weekend. God fucking damn it, Star Trek. Well, we already know that, uh, you know, the devil is real from TAS. and just lives <laughs> in another dimension. Nope, 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 not canon. Fuck this. Uh... <laughs> well, if you don't like canon, I mean, if you don't like the TAS, we still have Ardra, right? Like, uh, she, 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 well, she was, was a fake. That was the point. Yeah. An alien that pretends to be the devil. Yeah, and uh, the god of Shakari and all these fucking jerks. And Apollo. <laughs> god damn Apollo. God damn it. Uh, That's the funny thing, because, you know, on, on shit posting, people get all, go off on canon and all, all this thing. And every so often, someone will remind you, like, yeah, but, like, Apollo was real. Yeah. So, so get off your high horse, yeah, asshole. Can, yeah, that's that's what I always... It's like... It's, we visited Abe Lincoln in space. <laughs> Yeah, like, whenever people get too precious about Star Trek, it's like, guys, DOS exists. Well, that's the thing, though. A lot of, like, these gatekeeper types try to deny that TOS counts. Oh, I mean, you can say it doesn't count, but it doesn't Roddenberry change the fact that it used exists. To say, yeah, Roddenberry used to say TOS and TNG weren't in the same universe. Yeah, he, he actually, I remember reading, was seeing a video once that argued that he even sort of considered TMP even kind of a soft reboot. Oh, wow. Like, pretty much every time he did a new project, as far as he was concerned, if you wanted to say previous stuff didn't count, that was fine. Hmm. Well, Um, I also think that, like, I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I I wasn't around and conscious at that time. But I'm also guessing that, like, in the 80s, maybe the whole idea of 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 a canon and and a continuity wasn't as much of a thing. Well, no, back I think then that... you could do things like you do with Bond, and just every fucking movie is a different person, and every like, in different shows you can just replace your leads, and no one cares. And... Yeah, you know, I think very much the rise of the obsession with canon is probably directly tied to the rise of the internet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Ooh, like before, you know, because before that it was like, I like, I'm sure the people who went out of their way to actually make and subscribe to and read zines cared Mm. but once everyone had access to that level of nerdery once we had you know home video re-releases and nowadays where you can binge the entire thing in a month if you You really put your mind frame by frame yeah like and be like oh my god that i saw that prop on an episode of general hospital so these must be in the same universe yep yep so i mean like you know no there's definitely a correlation there. People didn't care as much once upon a time. Yeah, um, yeah and I agree. I bet you there are, um, you know, people that did care about it. And I think that the rise of the internet and especially, I think that creators have really embraced, embraced it because there's like a gamification aspect. Yeah. That people just now expect there to always be continuity and for yeah. canon to be a thing. Now, yeah. having said that, because someone might point this out if I don't. These sorts of 
people have always existed, at least in the niche. Right. They just couldn't find other people like them. Yeah. Because even as far back as the late 19th century, you had people... Because if there was one person who didn't worry that much about continuity, it was um, Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah, I was going to say, are you, are you going to talk about Arthur Conan Doyle? Because, yeah. But the, he had fans who were trying to reconcile his contradictions from very early in his career. But again, like I said, that was a niche thing. Like I said, like the zine people, again, I'm sure really cared in the 80s. But it, it was just like this group of people who cared intensely. But once that ease of access grew, more people were able to care. And I, I agree. I think there's like there's a fun aspect to thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And being like, oh, I wonder if it like I so I've been playing um, Breath of the Wild. Yay. Uh, and I also like I recently played. Almost all of the Zelda games. The ones all, that you oh, have. Oh, yeah, almost all of them. I skipped I skipped Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, just because I, I, I didn't like it when I was a kid, and I didn't care for it when I tried to play it now. But anyway, point is, I've in the last six months or so, I've pretty much played every Zelda game, uh, except for some of the handheld games. And... Even me playing Breath of the Wild's like, oh my god, the the the, the stables, the the the, 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 ancient, the the ancient tech. It must be from from the Twilight Realm. Oh, that's that makes so much sense. Oh, what's it's funny, very funny too? I I haven't read it, but I saw because I every so often when Jake gets fully fully stumped by a thing, I'll open up one of the websites and I I had like um uh, ZeldaDungeon.net open. Oh, that's yeah, that's one of the big ones. Yeah, and there there was like a. At the very top of the page, because it updates every freaking day, there was like an article that's like, do people actually want to place Breath of the Wild in the timeline versus do you not? Because people really, really want to do this shit because they, they love to overthink nerd bullshit to be like, oh, well, if this happened 10,000 years ago that this tech existed, then we can say definitively that... Breath of the Wild happens here in the timeline, and that's why we know that Midna was over here, and this other character was over here, and well, that's Sa thing, Sidon like, and Link totally banged, and all this stuff. The, and other uh, people are like, dude, we don't, it doesn't help, it, we don't need this, we don't need this. Yeah, I've come across these Zelda timeline fanatics, and they can get really intense. And what's really funny is, like, Jake, I think you were saying, like, one thing that's really changed in recent years is... Now even creators and showrunners kind of care, partly because they were the people who grew up with the internet and were part of this whole game. But if one group does not actually give a fuck, it's Nintendo. Hmm. So like, oh yeah, in a way, like I think with Breath of the Wild, they almost purposely put in contradictory shit just to drive people crazy. Oh, that's funny. I like that. Um, yeah. Like they put out fans, and it's great. They very begrudgingly put out an official timeline some years ago. But even admitted, we might change it someday. Double well, also, bird. Like, it, like, the Zelda series in particular is the most ridiculous one to look for continuity. Oh, yeah. Because every game just, like, invents new shit. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah, no, this is a, this is a thing now. All that other crap, that doesn't, that doesn't count. Hmm. But then I noticed in Breath of the Wild, they did some shit that was very, like, referential to past games in the series. Like, yep. in one of Link's recovered memories the sword makes the noise that fee makes in skyward sword which yep. is you know fee being the robot that lives inside the master sword mm -hmm. spoilers yeah spoiler alert 
There's, ro- like there's robots in Zelda now? <laughs> so many robots. Really? Man. Have, you, have um, you seen any Breath of the Wild? Yeah, but... Those big walkie things are basically no, robots. There's tons of robots. Are yeah. they? There yeah. was robots in Skyward Sword, too. Huh. Yeah, so... And then, like, they, so they do stuff like that. There's one of the the Zora things is like, oh, the... the oh, the, that's right. Ruta. Yeah, Van Ruta, the... the the divine beast is specifically named after Rudo. Yep. The the Link's girl, girlfriend. The girl who wanted to plow Link like crazy. Well, that that's the thing is they like they reference all these things, like a lot of stuff in the series history. But at some point the timeline splits and that's what's driving fans crazy. The things they're referencing shouldn't be able to coexist. <gasps> Anyway, it's it's hilarious. It is, it is it's, it's it's fun to think about, but it's also it's parallel, which also featured dwarf, and yes. uh, this episode also featured dwarf. Hey, well, I mean, hey. getting back to tying him back into Star Trek, it's fun to think about, but it's dangerous to shackle yourself to. Yeah, people yeah, do I, love I really dying on it, hills. Oh God, they do. Well, any hill like, is well, a, any have, hill is a good um, hill to die on. I mean, now we have lower decks, which is a kooky cartoon show. And is that canon? I don't no. know. People like, say it but, is. But at the same time, who gives a fuck? Lower yeah. decks, lower expectations. Am I hey. right? Ah. People fucking love it. I haven't actually seen it. I'm just being contrary. I, I was calling it Star Trek Lowered Bar. You were calling ah, it Star Trek brilliant. Upper Decker for a while. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't get it. Uh, it's when you shit in the up uh, the, the tank in of the a tank toilet. In the tank of the toilet. Oh, gross. <laughs> Uh, but also, I approve. Star Trek Waffle Stomp. <laughs> uh, waffle Damn it, stomp. if only I'd come up with that the other night. I'm so mad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jake, Jake waffle just loves Stomp the is the funniest thing, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, so, I it, it. I, uh, one thing I thought with this episode where they were dividing up Worf and Jadzia's duties among the remaining duties. staff. <laughs> Duty! <laughs> You can't say the word duties after we're just talking about about waffle waffle stomps stomps and upper deckers trying to divide (laughs) Worf's tasks among the rest of them. And for some reason, they decided, let's make Julian the intelligence officer. I got so angry. I got so fucking angry at that scene because it just shows you there are no other Starfleet people around, even though we are at fucking war with the Dominion. And the yeah. only people with whom you can give tasks to on Deep Space Nine are Bashir and O'Brien. Why is Bashir? I did it again. Bashir. Why is Bashir's security clearance so high? I don't know. Like the issue they said was that it had to be someone with this level I clearance. Mean, he is thirty. True. Um, Old fucker. But well, like, that's what it is because they know we won't remember it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and at first, I was like, no, that's the you have- <laughs> shouldn't he There's have like the, <laughs> dementia don't know shouldn't he have the biggest boner over being asked to handle intelligence but everybody's like no because they're not asking him to be james bond they're asking him to be george smiley and just read reports and disseminate not, information yeah, and as not necessary able to talk about them yeah well, yeah the, the cynic the cynic in me is like you they he didn't actually need any kind of special clearance and and they just wanted to fuck with him 
And they're like, oh, that's funny. I like that. He wants to play James Bond. All right, cool. We'll we'll give him the job of intelligence officer, and he'll think that's the greatest fucking thing until he's read his like fortieth page of blathering nonsense. That does kind of sound like something Cisco might do to amuse himself. Hmm. My 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 related question is: Why does the Klingon ship need a science officer if they're just doing a search and rescue mission? Yeah, somebody's got to run the scanners. Yeah, I'm guessing that, like, on a Klingon ship, the science officer is less like, oh, let's analyze this pulsar, and more like, you know... What's the most efficient way to punch this thing? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe. That's a good point. How do we scientifically (laughs) annihilate our enemies? Now I'm just picturing, like, a lab full of Klingons, and they're all in the big Klingon armor, but they've squeezed, like lab coats over it nice nice and it's just various like machines and chemicals punching things Mm, good 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 yeah but it's also probably like you know like when you analyze the enemy ship yeah the science officer probably like figures out okay here's the yield we need on our you know on our missiles in order to right right here's penetrate their, their shields spot. or whatever yeah oh the hull is made of this metal which means uh yeah. do this it's like like the, like a geologist that works for an oil company is just yeah they're not studying the earth they're studying how to destroy the earth yes hmm. exactly hooray that's right we're calling you out geologists who work for oil companies which is trade everything you believe in that's probably one of the few ways to actually make good money in the field of geology what? Yeah, no, it's either that or teach geology, pretty much, I'd imagine. He said good money. We're going to hey. get so much shit from geologists. Yeah, we've lost all of our geologists <laughs> who work for oil, mem- oil companies. What, what are they going to do? Throw rocks at us? <laughs> oh, they might. Fuck. Oh, no, they know which rocks to throw. Please don't throw rocks at my tender, tender head. <laughs> Why is your head so tender? Uh, compared to a rock, anyone's head is tender. I don't know. I don't think they have the stones. Ah, That's a good one. I like that. I missed it. I missed it. Oh, he said, I don't think they have the stones. Oh, that is good. Ah, Ah, I was ah. late. Sorry. That's all right. (laughs) We're getting punchy. We're we're here all day, you know? I hope we're not here all day. I'm getting tired of the shit already. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Jesus. Already? We've talked about it for a long time. Uh, but you know, does anyone have anything else about this motley crew? Huh. Uh, motley crew, that's good. No. It was, so. I guess, you know, it was the the scene with you know Martok inviting Worf into his house was nice. It was very sweet. I did I love that. that. Especially because he was, you know, standing there at first. He's back in uniform, just starting, you know, looking sadly down on the crew celebrating, knowing he can't really be part of the celebration in the same way because he's still so disconnected from his people despite everything else. So well, to have they've Martok, all been huge dicks to him besides like it. everybody was a douche to him the whole time he was there. That's why Jedzia really went because they respect her more. True. But then, yeah, for and, then Martok, and then Worf takes off the, the, the son of Moog pin and says, fuck you, dad. I have a new dad now. <laughs> I'll see you in hell, Dad. Oh wait. Oh wait, we cut that out of the yellow, uh, the episode. <laughs> so yeah, that was nice. Yeah, poor Kern though. Oh. <laughs> Who? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, God. that was my oh, so joke. So does this when... mean Alexander is also becomes an honorary member of the House of no, Alexander? No. He's just, he's no. just Alexander fucked. is fucking without honor. Yeah, yeah exactly. I actually Son, remember uh, dissolve the House of this... Mor- Mo- 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 officially. Oh, cool, Dad. What house are we a member of now? 
We? <laughs> I, uh, I won't spoil anything, but this does get addressed eventually. Oh, no. Oh, okay. I remember the episode. That's a shame. Mm. Yeah, does my Alexander joke, my joke when um, Martok is asking Worf, like, I'm going to I'm going to need the best first officer for this for this mission that, that I can find. What's Kern's number? <laughs> <laughs> but Kalar is well, dead, he sir. Was busy. Oh, Kalar. Miss her. Yeah. I mean, Riker worked on a Klingon ship once. That's true. How yeah. many little Riker Klingon oh, no. hybrids are running around? <laughs> Oh, that's the the one other thing I want to mention before we sign off. Oh, dear. Uh, Curzon definitely fucked the engineer's mom. Oh, definitely. Not yeah. even a question. Nope, that was amazing. Yeah, I, I would have been great if you like, pulled her hair back and there were spots <laughs> on the side of her face. Oh, man, Jake's fanfic is coming true. That's there right, we go. There you go. Yeah, and I like how like the joke was like like Jetty's like yeah Curzon was taken with lots of people and 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 the engineer's like yeah my mom was a whore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like I like the equity of slutting around. Yes, yeah, no, that's, that's a true. good. I find that a positive thing. And yeah. by the twenty fourth century or whatever, that's how it should be. Yeah. yeah, but it's one thing for Jadzia, who's basically making a self deprecating joke in a way, mm. versus the other one being like yeah. My ma was a tramp. I, he's, I think she's more proud of it, though, and I like that. I thought she was, too. It's I like also embrace, thought she was into Jadzia. Jadzia embraced the fact that Curzon was just probably based on Roddenberry. Oh, mm. definitely. Just man whoring around. Gross. <laughs> Anything else before I jake us out? I got nothing. Ames? All right, well, thank you for joining us for episode 204 of A Star to Steer Her By. If you like what you heard and you'd like to hear more, you can find us where all fine podcasts are sold. We are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. All the podcasts. Did I already say SoundCloud? SoundCloud? Jesus Christ. Well, just once more for good measure. If you want to find us in other media, you can find us on Facebook by searching for A Star to Steer Her By. We are SSHB Podcast on Twitter and Tumblr, or you can visit our website at SSHBPodcast.com. My name is Caitlin. My name is Jake. This has been Chris. And this is Always Ames. Rule of Acquisition number 208. Sometimes the only thing more dangerous than a question is an answer. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Zeki. Gross. <laughs> Still gross. <laughs>